God, we worship you while we wait in those valleys of life. Lord, we've sung all this morning about how you are good. And so, Lord, as we go through those dips and those valleys, those trying times, God, I pray we would remember your goodness, your love, your faithfulness. I pray, God, that we would worship you and acknowledge you for who you are, a good God, in those moments. Lord God, I pray now as Chris comes to speak from your word, I pray that you'd speak through him with power and authority, God, to change our hearts and change our minds, to align with your holy word. We love you, God. We give you all the glory for this morning. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. What we're going to be talking about today is waiting on God, because all of us have experienced those times where we thought God was going to do something, he was going to be something, he was going to actually make us become something in him, and we thought he was going to do something in our lives and our circumstances, and he didn't. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we continue this series entitled The Dip. There's this graph right up here that all of us, you know, we start out really high and we have this relationship with God. We actually come into a relationship with God and it's like everything is great. Everything is awesome. And I mean, we pray and stuff happens. We read the Bible. We understand it. We go to church and the sermon is good. The worship is great. And it's two thumbs up. But the problem is life happens, and sometimes God doesn't act the way we think he should act. And when we read the Bible, we don't get anything out of it. And when we come to church, the sermon stinks, and the worship isn't good. And it's like, God, where are you? We pray to God, and he doesn't answer. He doesn't act like we think he should act. And when in those moments, we talk about, we get into this low point called the dip. In fact, if this is your first time here at One Church and you kind of know very little about the Bible or Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about because all of us have been in those points that we've cried out to God and something didn't happen. And we thought, we, we asked God, if you're real, then allow my spouse to stay with me. God, if you're real, then let me, let me finally get a spouse. Let me finally get a mate. God, if you're real, don't let me get deployed again. God, if you're real, if you would protect my children. And he doesn't. He doesn't come through. And it's in those times, we talked very deeply last week that we wrestle with God because Habakkuk's name, the book of the Bible we're going to be looking at today, Habakkuk's name means to embrace or to wrestle. Even though we're struggling and we're wrestling out these ideas with God, that even wrestling with God is a form of intimacy because you cannot wrestle somebody you're not touching. We talked about that last week. And our big idea last week was this, that God wants us to be honest in our communication with him. He gives us permission to wrestle it out and to struggle with him. But today we're going to be talking about the waiting game. Here's what I know about you and I know about me. Nobody likes waiting. I am not a patient person. I, I, as much as I hate waiting on all of that stuff, I even hate waiting rooms worse. 
nobody likes waiting rooms. I mean, you have out-of-date magazines, and it's just stale air, and the coffee's stale. Um, I mean, the chairs are uncomfortable. I'm sitting there with my laptop trying to get work done, but there is no Wi-Fi, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And many times, God allows us to wait in our dip. Why is that? Why does God God allow us just to spend time waiting in that dip? I think God wants us to learn something from him by waiting. And even though waiting is an inconvenience to our time and our calendar, God is more concerned with our character than our calendar. And that is our big idea today. Our big idea today is God is more concerned with my character, who I'm becoming, my character, than he is my calendar. We looked at this verse last week, but let's dig into it before we get to the little book called Habakkuk. This is in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, everybody say trouble. Trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. And we talked about this. We chuckled about this. Because when trouble comes our way, God's like, here's an opportunity. And it don't feel like an opportunity, does it? When your faith, for when your faith is, say that next word, tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in what? Character and ready for anything. Did you know God is more concerned with your character than he is your calendar? And there are some things that we cannot learn until we're sitting smack dab in the waiting room of God's waiting room of just hanging out in the dip. Because when a person comes to a crisis of belief, when their faith hits a wall, if they continue to embrace or wrestle with God, even in the weight of the dip, in just the waiting room of the dip, we will see when they come out of that, their relationship with God will grow so much deeper and so much more intimate. In fact, A.W. Tozer, just say it this way, God cannot use someone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And that is exactly what we're talking about today. Because in times of hurt, in times of pain, in questions, in the dips, we find ourselves closer to him. That God allows those low points in our life to strip us down so that we can hear clearly from him. So we're going to see what Habakkuk did while he's waiting in his dip. Here's a guy who loves God, who's close to God, who has problems with God, who's disappointed with God. And we're going to see him do four things in Habakkuk chapter 2. If you have it with one church Bibles, that's page 712. And this is what Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. What do you do when you're waiting in the dip? Well, the first point is you stop doing what you were doing. And you get a different perspective. You stop. You stop doing what you're doing and you get a different perspective. Habakkuk did something totally different. He didn't understand what God was doing. While a person, while God would use a people more wicked than they are to be able to discipline them. So he stopped doing what he was doing and he changed his surroundings. Habakkuk went up and climbed a watchtower. He changed his surroundings. And I think there's some wisdom in what Habakkuk did. Because sometimes when we change our surroundings, we get a different perspective. Do you know, and we said this last week, the first thing you lose when you're in the dips of life is you lose perspective. 
you think, you know what, this has never ever happened before and I I am never going to get out of this situation and we have a tendency to become fatalistic and we lose perspective. But the best way that we can change and get a different perspective is stop and change our surroundings. Here is a picture of a watchtower. A watchtower, let me tell you what a watchtower was. They didn't have predator drones back then. I don't know if you know that. All right? They didn't have, you know, the, 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 the things, the eye in the sky flying everywhere. All right? Um, they didn't have Obama reading your text messages. All right? They didn't have the government or Big Brother. And again, some of you think I went political. I didn't. You know, Bush was reading your text messages. That's cool. But my point is this is they didn't have any of that. So what they would do as a defensive position is they would build these watchtowers on the edge of a city. And if you wanted to see when an enemy was coming, you would climb up that watchtower and you would look out. And that would give, you could be able to see for miles around. Why? Because you changed your perspective, you changed your scenery. And here's something, if you take notes, write this down. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. I know that's kind of a tongue twister, but let's say that together, can we? Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. Very, very good. Sometimes you just need to get out of the routine that you're in. you got to change up your pace. You change places, and when you do that, you will see things from a different perspective. Habakkuk doesn't understand God's perspective, so he changed his perspective. Habakkuk tries to see things, and he gets higher so he can see things from God's higher point of view. Sometimes you just got to stop. There's a verse that I really think is the hardest verse to obey in the Bible. This is in Psalm 4610. It says this. Be still and know that I am God. Can everybody stand up just for a sec? Let me, I want to explain to you what the word be still is in the Hebrew, okay? Be still literally means this, to put your hands down by your side. Let's all do that. Some of y'all still struggling, right? Some of you ADD people, ADHD, LMNOP, right? Because right now you're like, man, my nose, see, see, right here. Your nose is itching, and, and you, some of you have your phone in your hand, and you're like, I wonder, did, you know, did somebody just tweet me? Did somebody comment on my status? See, I'm still looking. Y'all can't see it from my perspective. Y'all still moving. All right, y'all can sit down. See, that's difficult, isn't it? To just keep your hands down by your side and do nothing. But this verse says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes God may need to do something in you before he can do something for you. Sometimes God needs to do something in you before he can do something through you or around you. Maybe the reason why God isn't doing anything in your circumstances is because God is wanting to do something in you. That that you're going to have to just experience the weight in the waiting room of God. So you can do that. Waiting takes time. And time happens by seconds. This is something, I learned this this past week. Did you know that the minute hand wasn't added to the most clocks until the Industrial Revolution? The minute hand. Did you know, like back in the 1800s, even before that, they only had a clock and they only had one hand. 
and it pointed towards the hour. Like right now, it would be 11. Now, some of you, you know it's 11.45. So you're checking your watch right now, aren't you? I see you. All right, that's good. You, it's 11.45. Okay, wrap this up, preacher. I got to go, right? Because we live our life by seconds and minutes. But you know what? Back then, they didn't live their life by the speed of light. They, they really kind of lived their life by the speed of a seed growing. Corey Tim Boom, she said it like this. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And some of us, we just need to stop. We need to stop. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. And what things do you need to see a different perspective? What are some situations right now that you're in that you just need to stop? What problems are you, I mean, it may be a marriage that you're just attacking one another. And you just need to stop and to look at it from a different perspective. So first, we need to stop. Second, we need to listen. What do you do when you're in dip? You stop and you listen. Look at Habakkuk 2.1. It says this, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord, what's that next word? Says and how he will answer my complaint. We need to stop and we need to listen. What Habakkuk did was he did this, God, I got problems. I don't like the way you're doing things. I, I'm, I'm having issues with you. I'm disappointed in you. And, 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 and here is my problem with you. He said it. And then he stopped and he listened to God. How many of y'all, somebody's ever asked you a question, and before you had a chance to answer the question, they just kept on talking? Anyone? All right. We call those people mother-in-laws. Okay? Just saying. All right, but here's the thing. How frustrating is when somebody asks you a question and then they won't give you a chance to be able to answer the question. But don't you think that's exactly what we do with God? God, okay, I need this, I need this, and why are you doing this and this and this and this? And it's like, we got diarrhea of the mouth, right? We're just talking. We're talking and we can't shut up, right? And so many times what we do is we fill our life with counseling, and self-help, and we talk to our girlfriends, we talk to the guys at work. We never stop and truly listen to God. Do you know God is a relational being, and he wants to speak to you? He longs to communicate with you. Now, some of you think, how does he communicate? Let me tell you. I have never heard this from God. Chris, Chris, come in, Chris. I've never heard that, all right? I've never heard God's audible voice. I might... When I do that day, I'll probably fall over with a heart attack dead because it'll scare me to death, right? But let me tell you, I have read God's voice. You see, if you have a Bible, the Bible says, calls itself, this is God's word. And you see, some of you, you're willing to, to look at um, you know, the Virgin Mary and a grilled cheese, and you're willing to say, okay, if you do this, and I'm and God said, listen, you don't need to do signs. You don't need to look for grilled cheese messages. All you need to do is read the Bible. That's all you need to do. And if you ain't got a Bible, we give them away for free. We literally spend thousands of dollars a year to buy Bible so that we can give to people. And, and I tell you, find a Bible that you can understand and just start reading it. We encourage you, man, read God's Word. So that's how God communicates. Let me tell you another way how God communicates, through circumstances, through dips. 
Man, sometimes God, uh, his voice comes loud and clear like a baseball bat to my head through my circumstances. Let me tell you, another way God communicates is when you surround yourself with people who speak truth to you. How, what we call that here at One Church is called a community group. In fact, today, after the service, you can get involved and go and get involved into a community group. I meet with a community group every Sunday night. And even when I'm struggling with God and I'm not feeling like I'm getting the answers with God, I got people in my group who God's talking to them really clearly. And I'm like, really? I mean, can you, I mean, but sometimes God speaks to me through other people. But I tell you, sometimes God just speaks to me just through the nudging of my spirit. Like, yeah, I don't think that's such a wise choice. But God will speak to you if you stop and listen. Habakkuk watches for an answer that only can come from God. So many times, again, when we're under problems in specific situations, we try to manipulate our way out of the issue, and God's just like, listen, I got this. Let me do this. The the third thing, the third thing, we stop, we listen, and we write. We write. We write. You write what God shows you. If you've got a Bible, man, write in your Bible. Maybe you were in Habakkuk 2 today, and you say, okay, this is August 11th, and this is what I learned. Write that stuff down. You know the reason why God's telling you to write stuff down is because we forget stuff. I forget. I think I've forgotten more than I've ever learned. No lie. Look at what Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says. Then the Lord said to me, what's that next word? Okay, we, this is an all-skate morning. We've got to do this all together. One more time. Some of y'all, you're like, what do you mean? Then the Lord said to me, write my answer how? Plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the message to others. Why does God want us to write it down? Well, he's going to say to Habakkuk, years later, when I prove myself faithful and true, I want everybody to know God's track record is 100%. We have a tendency to forget God's faithfulness. And one of the things that we lose when we're in the middle of that dip is we forget how God has come through for us and with us and to us in the past. We just forget it. Being in the dip makes us forgetful. And God knows this. That's the reason why God told the Israelites to do something really strange in Joshua chapter 4. God says, okay, I got a land I'm going to promise you, but in order to get to the land I'm promising you, you have to get through the Jordan River. And this big river was nasty, it's big, it's all, it's, it's a flood stage. I mean, there is no way around it. And you know what God did? God parted those waters and the Israelites went through millions of them on the other side. And after those floodwaters closed and they're on the other side, God told Joshua to tell the people to do something really different. He says, I want you to go in, I want you to get 12 stones. And I want you to take these big 12 stones and I want you to put them right next to the river so that years from now, generations from now, when people ask, hey, what is that? They can be able to say, this is what my God did. For the Israelites, he parted the water. Why? Because we all have a tendency to forget God's faithfulness. We all do. We all do. You need to record it. You need to write it down. You write it down so that you can remember. Write it so that you can remember it. Because dips makes us forgetful. We all lose perspective on when our problems come, and we forget what God has done in the past. So we have to stop. We have to listen We have to write it, write it down, and lastly, we have 
to wait. It's a collect call from God, ma'am. Wait. Nobody likes waiting. I mean, silence, we have a tendency to fill it with ringtones or awkward laughter, right? There's, we, because we move so fast. But sometimes God just, he has us right in the middle of the waiting room. He wants us to wait. Look at what Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says. The, this vision is for a future time, he tells Habakkuk. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It means it's going to happen. If it, if it seems, look at this next word, slow in coming, what are you supposed to be doing? Wait. Not just wait. Wait patiently. Gosh, I hate that word. Wait patiently for it will, what's that? Surely take place. It will not be delayed. When God promises something, you may have to wait a while, but you can, you can take his promises to the bank. You need to know this. When you're afraid that God's promises won't come to pass, remember this, God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. It happened this way with Moses. I mean, he had to wait for 40 years tending sheep until he was 80 years old for God to use him to get the Israelites out of Egypt. He had to, Joseph had to wait. He, God told Joseph, I'm, you're going to be a leader, but he had to wait and go through some really dippy circumstances before all of that happened. Do you know the Apostle Paul, when he came to know Jesus, he had to wait for 13 years before he was in Arabia, before he could be used by God as a missionary. Just 13 years hanging out. So your couple of days ain't that big of a deal. 13 years. What happens is, okay, a lot of people think, okay, if I'm waiting, then if I'm waiting, I must be stuck and I'm not doing anything. They think of waiting as having no movement. But you know, what does a waiter do? They wait. But if a good waiter, what do they do? They're serving. The reason why I'm wearing my Buffalo Wild Wings jersey today, I like hanging out at B-dubs, all right? And one of the things, I go on the patio, and there is a fantastic waitress. Her name is Anita. And I love Anita. There's Mickey. There's so many other people there. There's Chelsea. But Anita is fantastic, and she's always moving. She's always moving. Let me tell you, for some of you, you're in the waiting room, and, you're, and you, think, uh, the, you think this, waiting on God requires patience, but let me tell you, it isn't passive. It's active. And sometimes just by waiting on God, you may be moving more than you ever have been. Some of you, you're just waiting on God, and you're going like this. And guys, listen, I, I want to hit a moving target. Some of you, you just need to start serving. Serving here at church, serving here outside of church, it doesn't matter. Just serving, and by you serving, God may get you out of that waiting room. But he's going to get you out because you're moving. I, that, that's, I mean, it's like being at the beach, all right? When you're at the beach and you're standing still, and, and that surf is coming in and out, what's happening to you? You start sinking. I start sinking quicker than you. I don't know why, but I start sinking, right? But you know what? You keep on moving. You keep on moving. Keep on moving. And you know what? You may, you may not have a direction yet, but you're moving and God will give you a direction. He will. God is focused on your character more than your calendar. I want to close with a story and then I'm going to be done. I didn't do this at first service because I forgot. Um, but I love this story because some of you, 
you feel like God is far from you. And some of you, you're disappointed in God. And I understand that. Man, I've been disappointed in God. Man, I, I, just this past week, something happened, and I knew God was going to work in a certain way, and he didn't. I was like, dang it. Man, what, what were you thinking, God? This was a perfect plan of mine. But I tell you, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, Chris. And my plans are not your plans. Sometimes in that dip when we're waiting, we get frustrated. But God has a purpose for the dip, and it's for us to become closer to him. Listen to this. This is a true story by, uh, written by Jack Hayford. He's a pastor in L.A. He says this. Uh, Jack Hayford and his wife went to Yosemite National Park, and he observed something amazing. This couple stood on this little bridge spanning a, tr a trickling creek. The calm flow of water in late September in no way resembled the surgings and torrents and gushing through this, through this site when the water spring thaws come through Yosemite. Looking downstream, they observed mighty boulders scattered along the length of the stream bed, evidence of the explosive power that the creek hap happened during the spring thaw at flood time. As they looked... At the massive boulders that had been moved by these huge floodwaters, they observed a young redwood tree standing right in the middle of the creek on a slight rocky rise about which its gnarled root system clung. It had somehow found its way to begin its life in that perilous perch. That it began life didn't surprise me, he writes. In spite of the difficult granite footing, for all seedlings are borne by the millions and swept away in the flush of the spring tides. What did surprise me, though, was that it had survived. I wondered how that happened there in the middle of a stream. If the surging waters hadn't washed it away, surely the crashing boulders should have crushed it. But there it was, tall, serene, probably 10 to 12 years old, and clearly it destined to stand for decades longer, if not centuries to become. I drew my own conclusion, and it's simply this. That tree's survival was related to a drought. There is no way in the world that young redwood tree could have survived its settling if it had not been a two- or three-year period when the spring thaw was light. It was obvious that during the tree's infant existence, the clawing fingers of the creek become river didn't reach as high or pull as hard. The lower waters kept the annual floods and the rolling boulders from threatening its life. But another factor came into play with this drought, he writes. The tree's roots searched more deeply for their supply in the middle of the drought. That dry spell was a blessing in disguise, which not only allowed for its survival, but which created the setting for firmer anchoring as the roots went deeper, searching for water. The root, the rushing of the stream would be, could be withstood because of the roots sunk deep during dry times. And then he writes this, I thought about God and I praised him. I wrote this in my journal that night. He wrote it. See that? After visiting Yosemite, and he writes this, Thank you, Lord, for the dry times in my life, the dry times in my soul, times when I think I would prefer surgings, but times when you are calling me deeper, deeper 
into a more thorough grasp of you. Some of you, man, you you feel like God has forgotten you. And all you're in a holding pattern. You are waiting on God. Know this. You may be waiting on God, but God is wanting, he wants to develop something in you. Character. So that once this season is over, and you're going back up, and that's what we're going to be looking at next week. There, there is hope. <laughs> we're going to see God give us a perspective that we would have never, ever gained had we not lived our life waiting in the dip. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord, for a love that will not let us go, as we sang earlier. I thank you so much, God, that we can come and we can be real to you, that we can wrestle with you, we can yell at you, we can scream at you, we can get frustrated with you, and that your shoulders are big enough to take it all. God, I pray that we would become men and women and students and children who just live lives of authenticity and not hypocrisy. Lord, that we would live lives and we wouldn't just put on the plastic smiles and say, it's okay when things aren't okay. But Lord, that we can be real with you and that we can wrestle and Habakkuk you. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the lessons we learn while in the waiting room. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.